If you will, be taking your Bibles and turning them to the book of Acts. We'll be by there momentarily. Uh, but before I begin the lesson part of uh, the sermon part, I do want to say thank you. Uh, if you would have if you would have told me in 2011 when I moved to this congregation and uh, was a was a member here for uh, those six years while I went to Valdosta State and went uh, and worked here uh, teaching at Lowndes Middle, if you would have told me that I'd be working in the fields of mission, I would have told you you are crazy. But I really, really, really owe this congregation so much thanks. It's because of you that I'm able to stand up here today. Because of your encouragement. Uh, I mean, I, I remember when I, when I became the youth intern here that, that summer, uh, one of my old youth ministers at Highland commented and said, what, you're, you're going to be working in ministry and things like that? He was just shocked, and I don't know why. But anyways, it's because of this congregation and the growth and the development that you gave to me while I was a member here. And I, I, I just can't tell you how thankful I am for every individual member that had an impact on my life to this eldership. And I'm just indebted to you and so grateful for this church. Me and Wes talked about this, I guess, in June or July, whenever I came down, I said, Forest Park's a special place. Forest Park is a special place. Not every congregation's like this. And I want you to realize, don't take that for granted. Not every congregation is like Forest Park. Forest Park is a special place. And make sure that you're giving to the work here and being a vital part of this congregation. So thank you. I'm very excited about this new uh, journey that I am on. I'm excited about... Uh, being a part of this congregation again, you know, Wes is coming up to speak to us uh, in January at my home congregation, so I'm going to introduce you as my preacher because I have two preachers now. I got my home congregation's preacher, now I got Wes as my preacher because I'm back here with Forest Park working with Latin American Missions, and I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful and looking forward to this opportunity. Somebody, you know, when I was looking into this, came up to me and said, Austin, why, why would you want to do this? Why, why would you want to go in and help Latin American Missions? You see the answer on the screen. It's because I love this work. I love the idea of going down to a foreign country, sitting down with people and teaching them the precious gospel, the pure gospel of Christ that is able to save their souls, James 1 and verse number 21. I love it. This is probably, I'm a little bit biased, but this is one of the best works in the brotherhood. I mean, you go down into Latin America and you teach the gospel. We have a school of preaching. We have a children's home. And that is what makes Latin America so great. There are so many reasons that I love Latin American missions. I'm going to share a lot of those with you tonight. But when I read the book of Acts, I can't help but see that Latin American missions is fulfilling and looking at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, the, of course, the Acts of the Apostles where they go about on missionary journeys. The missionary journeys of Paul where they go out and convert souls to, to the church of our Lord, the church of Christ, Romans 16, 16. But they're fulfilling the great commission that Jesus gave to them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Mark 16 and verse number 15. But we see this in action. And really that's why I love Latin American missions is because it is the church in action. It's not just sitting back on the pews. It's not a, a social gathering. It's not something that you just come together to punch your card. But Latin American missions is the church in action. And y'all are the congregation that is the hub of the work. It's because of Forest Park that Latin American missions is going forth 
and spreading the good news throughout all those countries that we're involved in. When we look at the book of Acts, I want to give a very quick overview of the book. When you look at Acts chapter 1, it is Jesus going upward. All Acts chapter 1, when I did pew packers there at Riverbend there for, for that time before COVID, I would go through the book of Acts and they would tell me what each chapter is about. Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven. Why is that? Because he's going to sit down on the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12 and verse number 2, because his, his mission on earth is done. He had, had completed the will of the Father, and now he is going up there to prepare a place for us. But when you look at Acts chapter 1, it's about Jesus going upward, but then you go to Acts chapter 2, which is the establishment of the New Testament church, but it is also the Holy Spirit coming downward. So Jesus goes upward in Acts chapter 1, but then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes downward. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 4 or 5 there. He says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then it appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon one another. And notice verse number 4. And when they were all filled, notice this part, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit came down upon these men and filled them as they were speaking in tongues. Why was it that the Holy Spirit came down? You read John chapter 16 verse 13, how be it when the Spirit of truth comes, that what? That He is going to guide them into all truth. Jesus has left them. He is no longer with them. So what are they going to do now? He sends them the Comforter. He sends them the Holy Spirit to guide them, to instruct them, and to lead them into the way that they are going. And then the rest of the book, chapter 3 all the way to chapter number 28, is about the church going outward. It's about the gospel being spread. It started there in Jerusalem, as we're going to talk about more here in a second, and then it goes outward. It's the church going outward. And guess what? We are still fulfilling that outward growth of the church. We're going out into Latin America. We're going into Honduras. We're going into Peru. We're going into Panama. All these different places and fulfilling that church going outward. If we don't have an outward vision of the church, we're never going to grow. Never going to succeed in the mission of Christ. But when we look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, if there was one verse I said, hey, if you understand this one verse in the book of Acts, to understand the whole book, it'd be Acts 1 and verse number 8. Notice what it says here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, remember that's all Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon them. They're going to be uh, given those, those miraculous gifts of speaking in tongue. When the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me, notice number one, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, or the, or the, new, uh, the King James Version says, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the church going outward. This is really the road map for the book of Acts. Look, look with it very quickly. Number one, we're going to start in Jerusalem. If you remember there in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 1, he says that you're going to receive power on high and you need to tarry in Jerusalem, Luke chapter 24. You need to stay in Jerusalem and you're going to receive that power. Well, what's that power going to be? It's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to stay in Jerusalem to be able to receive that power. Why is that? Because that's going to where it is the church is going to begin. That's where the church is going to begin, and then it's going to go outward from there. So in, Acts, in Jerusalem, you're going to see that the church begins in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1 till verse chapter number 7. And then what happens there in Acts chapter 8 down through 
uh, chapter number 12. That is the church going outward to Jerusalem, the gospel going out to Jerusalem, the church going out to Samaria. And then what's from chapter 13 through the rest of the book, chapter number 28, is to the uttermost parts of the world. It's going throughout the whole world spreading that gospel. And that's what we're continuing to do with Latin American missions. I think I read this verse and I was preparing this lesson, Jack. I thought about Latin American missions. What did it start out as? It started out as Panama missions. And then guess what? It began to grow and grow. It began to continue to spread the kingdom's bounds outward. And that's what began here in Acts chapter 1. That's still what we're doing. We are still going about continuing to spread the gospel so that the kingdom may grow and grow and grow. When we look at the book of Acts, there is no question that there is a common theme throughout this book, and that is a book about evangelism. It's about the gospel going spread. Acts chapter 3, all the way through the end of the book, it's about the church going outward. It's about the gospel being spread throughout the whole world. I just want us to look at a few verses that talks about evangelism in this book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Here in Acts chapter 3, when I did Pew Packers, Acts 1, Jesus ascended. Acts chapter 2 is birth of the church. Acts 3 and 4 is the healing of the lame man. So here Paul, Paul uh, Peter is, and John, they are healing this lame man. But I want you to notice something here in this chapter. Look at verse number 11. Acts 3 and verse number 11. Now as the lame man who was healed, uh, held on to Peter and John, all the people, notice this, ran together to them in the porch, which is called, called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Now look at verse 12. So when Peter saw it, you might want to circle that two-letter word, it. What was it that Peter saw here when he was healing this lame man? He saw an opportunity. He saw all these people coming together to see this miraculous thing happen of healing this lame man. And it wasn't just that he was going to go about continuing to do good, but he saw an opportunity to preach the gospel. He saw an opportunity to evangelize and spread the good news to them. Notice what he says, and he responded to the people. He responded to, this, to this, this group of people that had come together, and he said, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this, or look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? What is he trying to do there? He's trying to say, hey, this is, this is not by our own will. This is not because of me, but it's because of the power of God that we're able to heal this man and he took, took time and told them about the God of Abraham, verse number 13. And he talked about the just one, the holy one, in verse number 14. Peter took time of opportunities to evangelize. Now, we need to take opportunities of, of evangelism here in the United States. We need to take times when people ask us spiritual questions that we're able uh, to lead into that Bible study, that we defer, don't debate, that we show, don't tell, like Rob Whitaker teaches us. But we need to make sure that we take advantage of opportunities. You here at Forest Park have an opportunity to help the gospel be spread into Latin America. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But go over to Acts chapter 4. Look at verse number 21. So when they had uh, further treated them, they let them go, finding no way of punishment for them because, the people, uh, because of the people, since they all glorify God for what had happened. Um, and he continues on there talking about going forth and preaching uh, the good news of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 5 verses 28 through 29. Many times we look at verse number 28 about how we ought to obey God rather than men, but within its context, what is it talking about? 
It's talking about going and preaching the gospel no matter what the circumstance is. Look at verse number 28. Saying, did we not strictly command you to not teach in his name and look and fulfill the Jerusalem uh, with your doctrine and tend us to bring this man's blood upon us? Didn't we tell you not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus? And what was there? What was Peter and the other apostles' answers in verse 29? We ought to obey God rather than men. There might come a time in the United States where they simply say, hey, can't have church services on Sunday. Hey, you know what? You can't, you can't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Guess what we ought to say? We ought to obey God rather than men. We got to look at God as the supreme authority for our lives and obey Him and in being evangelistic throughout the world. We come to Acts chapter 6 where uh, these seven widows are neglected of their distribution. In verse number 1, look down at verse number 7. Then the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Remember the church still here in Acts chapter 7 is in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Talking about that system of faith. That New Testament system that was established through Jesus dying on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 14. Going to Acts chapter 8. Here we come to Acts chapter 8. Number, Acts chapter 7 is about Stephen being stoned. Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 talks about this evil man named Saul that we're going to talk more about here in a moment. But when we come to Acts chapter 8, look at verse number 4. Here he says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching in the name of Jesus. Now that word for preaching here literally means evangelizing. Did you know that everyone in here in this room that is a New Testament Christian is an evangelist? It's not just Wes's job to be the evangelist, but we are all evangelists. We are all full-time evangelizing, going and spreading the good news of Jesus. We need to go out everywhere teaching and preaching God's Word to every person we can come in contact. Look at Acts chapter 9. Here after the conversion of Saul, we see in verse 20, immediately after Saul, or who we later know as Paul, obeyed the precious gospel of Jesus, what happened? Was it that he just said, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit back and you know, just take some time to learn? No. He immediately, he preached Christ in the synagogues. Why? Why was it that Paul went to the synagogues? Because that's where the people were. He wanted to, to those to obey the gospel of Jesus, and that's where the people were, that he is the Son of God. Look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 42. Here he said, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is ordained by God to be a judge of the living and the dead. If there's one thing that I want you to notice here from Acts chapter 10, it is that word obey, or commanded rather. He, it wasn't just a suggestion that you go out and preach the gospel, but it's something that is commanded to us to go out and to preach the gospel, just like it was to Jesus when he told us to go preach the gospel. Here they, they were commanded to go and preach to the people. Not just one sect of people, but people all over the world were supposed to preach. And of course, Acts 20 and verse number 20. There when they, they taught publicly, but also what? They taught from house to house. I, year 2020 has been one of those years that has been just one that's been turned upside down and I mean, you think that maybe we're going in a good direction and then, you know, COVID comes and then something else happens. You know, it's just been a crazy year. But if we all applied Acts 20 and verse number 20 and emphasize that in this year, it'd still be a successful year. 
going from house to house, teaching publicly, taking evangelistic opportunities. And I mean, these are just the ones that I found very quickly in preparing this lesson. I mean, we could continue to go through the book of Acts, continue to go through the book of Acts, and see time and time again about the importance of evangelizing. And no doubt, it's not just here in our homes, but out throughout the whole world, including Latin America. Go to Acts chapter 14. In 2015, me and Spin went on a mission trip to Panama, Panama. And it was one of the best campaigns that, that ever happened, in my opinion. And I remember me and Spin, after that campaign, we had a week in between going to Costa Rica, to La Fortuna. And we were going ahead and said, hey, we're already here. Let's go try to find us a new place to go. And during our conversations those months following, we went to several different congregations in the Panama region and looking for another place to go work with, talking to other preachers and things like that. Spin said, what do you think about going back to Panama? Panama, Panama. I said, well, we just, we just had a great campaign there. Why would we want to go back? And this is what Spin said. Paul went back. We need to go back. This is a model that we need to follow after here in Acts chapter 14, 21 through 23, that we need to follow after in our evangelism efforts. Look at Acts chapter 14. Let, let's be, I know I have verses 21 on the screen, but let, let's begin in verse number 19 to understand the context. It says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and had persuaded the multitudes. They stoned Paul and dragged him to the city, supposing him to be dead. Hey, guess what? The devil thought he won. The people thought that they won. Hey, they had just killed this great evangelist. They had just killed the greatest missionary besides Jesus Christ himself. Guess what? The gospel was going to stop. But Paul wasn't dead. He was, he was acting dead. But guess what? Look at verse number 20. However, when the disciples gathered around him and rose up, he didn't, he didn't have pity on himself. He didn't stand there. He dusted the dirt off of them, and guess what? He went to the next city. He arose and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Now notice what happens in verse number 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, when Barnabas and Paul had preached the gospel to the city of Derby, notice this, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. I want us to focus in on verse number 21 just for a second. I'm going to have many points uh, here from this text here in a second. But notice the word returned. Returned. Paul didn't just go to this congregation and build them up, have a lot of converts, then go to another one and leave them for dead. What was it that he did? He returned to them. He cared for them. And we're going to look at what kind of model he did here. But continuing there in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through tribulation enter into the kingdom of God or there in the context talking about heaven. Verse 21, so they appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. The first thing I want us to notice is the instruction. The instruction. There in verse 21, I told you to focus in on the word returned. Why was it that Paul wanted to return back to that old city that he's already been to? He's been there, he's, he's taught the gospel, but he returned. It was because he wanted to, them to continue in the instructions that he left them to do. Hold a marker with me here and go to Matthew chapter 28. I know that this verse has been referenced many times today already. But go back to Mark chapter 28. I want us to notice this. 
This is the great commission given by Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse number 18. Jesus said in them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now notice this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. How is it that you make disciples? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse number 20. After you baptize them, after they become a disciple of Christ, you don't just leave them. What happens? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Why was it that Paul returned back to those cities he's already been? So that they can continue in hearing this instruction. So that they can continue to grow as disciples of Christ. I think about 1 Peter 2 and verse number 2. About how newborn babes desire the pure, sincere milk of the world. That they may grow thereby. He wanted this church to grow numerically but also spiritually, so that they can grow in their faith, so they can add to their faith virtue and the virtue knowledge, all those things that Peter talks about in 2 Peter 2, chapter 1, 5, and following. A disciple of Christ literally means a learner of Christ. And he wanted, the, he wanted to go back so that they can continue in this instruction, so that they can continue to learn and grow in Christ. Second reason Paul went back was for confirmation. Look there at the beginning of verse number 22 strengthening the, soul, the souls of the disciples. If you have the King James Version, it actually uses that word confirmation, to confirm the souls of the brethren. It is literally to build them up. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 11. He wanted to strengthen their souls. And really, why goes next to the next point, for exhortation purposes. He, these, two perp, these two points here go hand in hand. He wanted them to for confirmation, but he also wanted to exhort them. He continues there by saying, exhorting them to continue in the faith. What faith is that talking about, that, that system of faith? So that they can earnestly contend for the faith, Jude uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 3. He wanted them to contend earnestly for the faith, to strive to remain faithful unto Jesus. Many times we talk about Revelation 2 and verse number 10, be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Matthew 10 and verse 22, endure to, Jesus said to them, endure to the end and those that endure to the end will be saved. But we can't leave newborn babes and just expect them to do that. What do we have to do? We got to go back, we got to continue to teach them, we got to continue to strengthen them, we got to continue to exhort them so that they can continue for the faith. So they can continue to do the good works of Jesus. Point number four is the determination. There after he, he, he talks about strengthening them, he talks about exhorting them. Notice what he says, and we must say to them, we must through many tribulations enter in to the kingdom of God. What's that talking about there? He's talking about their determination. Hey, they're going to have trials come into their life. Everyone's tempted, James 1 and verse 12. But guess what? It's about how you handle that temptation. Are you going to endure it? Are you going to be determined to uh, endure those temptations and those trials throughout your life? Or are you going to give in? And that's what we want to do here with Latin American Missions. We want to go back. We want to encourage. We want to exhort. We want to help them have determination to finish the race that is set before them, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and following. I think about the parable of the sowers. There when Jesus is teaching that parable, he talks about four different types of soil. He has the good soil, the thorny soil, the stony soil, 
and uh, the wayside soil. And each of those soils talks about the different hearts of men. But what happens to one of them? The cares and the, and the ways of the world chokes it out, right? It, it destroys their heart. Many times what happens to a new convert? They go back, they try to live that faithful life, they try to be determined to, to finish their race, but guess what happens? The cares and the riches of the world just chokes out their heart and they fall away. And what do we have to do many times? We have to go back and teach them the gospel and, and restore them back. And that's what we kind of do on these trips. I remember in 2000, I think it was 16, me and Bart was talking about this trip earlier, where me and him uh, by ourselves went down in December. And we went out and reached to some of those, those brethren that had already fallen away, that the cares of the world, that the things that they cared more about than Jesus got to them. And we had to talk about the importance of their soul. But we got to teach determination. We got to teach endurance till the end. There in verse number 23, we talk about organization. Organization. Notice what Paul did there. And so when they had appointed elders in every church. This is, we talked about this actually in one of our land meetings today. That's something we want to see improved upon in Latin America. We want to see more congregations establish eldership. And we're on our way there. It's because of this model that we're applying in Panama, in Costa Rica, in Honduras, and all these different countries that we're work, working in, that we're able to apply it and, and have the organization that the Lord would want us to have in His New Testament church. we got to have organization. This is something that's coming. This is a goal that we have in Latin American missions is to have elders appointed in every church, Philippians 1 and verse number 1. And then lastly, we have the dedication. There where he talks about he prayed with them with fasting and they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed. That is talking about their dedication. They prayed for the souls. They continued fed steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. How? In fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. What's that talking about? It's talking about their dedication to the Lord. Talking about them being dedicated in the cause of Christ. Here these new disciples are going to go forth and make more disciples. And it just continues to spread throughout Latin America and throughout the whole world by applying this method we see here in Acts 14, 21 and following. But why do I love Latin American missions? Because it's the book of Acts in practice. It's the book of Acts applied and continued out throughout the world, and especially in Latin America as we do it. But number two, as this says number one, but also our focus. When somebody says, well, what do y'all do in Latin American missions? It's, it's not just one thing. It's a whole lot of things. You can have your choice when you look at Latin American missions. We got a children's home. We got a school of preaching. We got preachers that you can support. You can go with us down there and work in Latin America and spread the good news of Jesus. But what's our focus? Number one, to train. We want to train these preachers to go out and be evangelists, to help their local congregations that they, that they go back to and work in. We want to train these children in a Christian environment so that they can grow up in, that, in, in hearing God's word on a daily basis so that they know how to act, so that they can go forth and make disciples. But we also teach. We also teach the lost of Latin America. We go on short-term mission trips. We go on long-term mission trips. We go down and we, we continue to teach the brethren as we just talked about from Acts chapter 14. We teach. It has an emphasis on teaching, but we also have an emphasis on team. This is our focus. 
You may have never been on a mission trip, and I'm going to talk more about this in a second. I know Bart kind of talked about it this morning, but you can be a vital part of our team. You can be a vital part of our team by never setting foot in Latin America. And we want you to be a part of our team. You are already a part of Latin America Missions team by being a member here at Forest Park. You are the home, you are the hub of Latin America Missions, but we want you to be a more invested team member moving forward. But I love Latin America Missions because of our gospel opportunities. Like I said, if you want to help out in the children's home, you can help out in the children's home. If you want to help out in the school of preaching, you can help out in these areas. If you want to go with us, you can go with us. You can help out in our evangelistic campaigns by going and teaching in the homes of these brethren uh, and, and those that are lost in Latin America and teach them the gospel of Christ. You can go on the Yes To campaigns and learn how to do that, young people. You can learn how to do home Bible studies, vacation Bible schools. You can go if you are medically inclined. If you have a skill and you are in the uh, medical industry, guess what? If you're in the medical field, you can go and use your talents for the Lord by helping out on those medical campaigns. You can help out in the Bible Schools of America. We have, uh, Lord willing, I think 10 students coming in in the year 2021 to enroll in this school. They live on campus. They take classes every day. Their, their wives even take classes. And they need your support. They need you to be a vital team member moving forward. We have the children's home. They are on the same campus. And we have 19 kids, I believe. Is that right, correct? 19 kids that are there every day and we have to take care of them, feed them, clothe them, uh, educate them and we need your help to do so. Native preacher support. We have the printing ministry still. But one reason I love Latin American missions is because of our history. I believe it was 1958. 1958 was when this work started. That's a long time for this work to continue to grow, to, to remain faithful, to continue in the faith. And it's an awesome history. It just continues to grow and grow and grow. And that's a thing to love about this work. It's because of the visionary of the people in the past that had it. They wanted to continue to see it. They wanted not just to stay in Panama, but they wanted to go to other countries surrounding Central America and then going even into South America into Latin America. It's a rich, rich history. Go to our website, read all about that because my time's expiring. I love our leadership. Now, I've already talked about how much I love this congregation, but I love our elders. The wisdom, the foreknowledge, the love that they have for this work, it's amazing. You, I mean, I feel like I can call any of these men here that are elders at Forest Park, any of these five men, and I can talk to them about an idea I have, and they will listen, they'll talk to me, they'll bounce ideas off of me, and I love the leadership. It's because of the leadership that we're able to do this work. And I thank these brethren for it, but I also love our staff. I love our staff. We talked about being a team. We are a team. Jack, John, Donna, Rosalina, all the staff in Latin America, it's an amazing thing that we have going on in Latin America. I love our staff. I love the idea of us working together for the good of the gospel. But you might be thinking, how can I help Lamb? I got three points and I'm going to be quiet. Three points. How can you help Lamb? Number one, seek. That is to go. You can send yourself to Latin America to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, Jesus had a mission here on this earth and that was to seek and to save 
the lost, Luke 19 and verse number 10. And that really needs to be our mission. We need to be mission-minded here and everywhere that we go. You yourself can go down there. You can spend a week at the children's home cleaning up. I guarantee you they got a list of projects that need to be done at the children's home at the school of preaching. You can go on a campaign and teach and seek the lost. Number two, support. I want you to go with me to 3 John. I love the book of 3 John. Many times I preach a sermon out of the book of 3 John about the different hearts, the different kind of uh, characteristics we see in members. But look at 3 John and look at verse number 8. A way that you can help Latin American missions is by support. Support for this. And we're talking about financial support. This is what I'm talking about. You might not ever set foot in Latin America, but you can support it. You can financially support. Notice what John says here in, in 3 John in verse number 8. Here he's talking about Gaius, how he has a faithful soul, how he has a healthy soul. But here in verses 6 through 8, he's talking about how they have a benevolent soul. A, a, a soul for loving people and helping them out in their needs. And notice what he says here. We therefore ought to receive such that we may be fellow helpers, become fellow helpers or fellow workers for the truth. We can be fellow helpers. We can be fellow workers in the vineyard of God. And here what it's talking about is those that helped out financially. In Guy and Wood's commentary uh, on 3 John, he talked about ways that they could be fellow workers or fellow helpers of the truth. Number one was by simply bidding them Godspeed, by saying, hey, brother, I wish you the best on your mission. I wish you safety. I wish you good, uh, good well and safety on your trip. Number two was to help them get going on their trip. They, they would maybe walk them uh, a certain distance. Maybe they, in today's terms, they would take them to the airport. They would take them to the bus stop. But by number three, they would give them financial contributions to help pay for their travels, to help pay for their, their lodging, their food. And that's how you can help Latin American missions today, by supporting these works. Galatians 6, verse number 6, talks about how that we can help preachers in uh, financial needs. But you can help out and support. $20 a month goes a long way. And if everybody here gave $20, that's 2020. If, everybody, if 20 people gave $20 every month, that would go a long way. You can support this work, but also in your supplications. There Paul is talking in Philippians 4 and verse number 6, but he says, in everything, in supplications to God with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. To God. Let your request be made known to God. That's talking about your prayers of supplication. What is it that you need? We need prayers for sure. You can pray for these preachers. You can pray for the missionaries. You can pray for our leadership. You can pray for our staff. You can pray for these children. And you can pray for the congregations throughout Latin America. Thank you for your time this evening. I do want to extend heaven's invitation. And I want to do so by simply telling you all the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. Don did a great job in his class this morning talking about a lot of these spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing is found in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Reconciliation in Ephesians 2 and verse 16. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. We have redemption, that is the forgiveness of his son. We have God's grace in Christ. We have his eternal life. We have salvation. We also have the hope that is in Christ. And all those spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Christ Jesus. But the question is this, how do I get inside of Christ? How, how do I receive the hope? How do I receive the salvation? There's three passages. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. 
1 uh, Corinthians 12 and verse number 13 and Romans 6, 3 and 4. And all three of those passages talks about how do you get inside of Christ? Through baptism. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that, that salvation, that when you confess Christ, that is unto salvation. That gets you going in the right direction, but that does not get you into Christ. How you can get in Christ is by being obedient to his will, being buried in that water grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2 and verse number 38. But you also may, may remain faithful unto death and he will give us a crown of life. Whatever your need is, come now. Together we stand and as we sing.